Well, good morning. <clears throat> it is great to be here in Blue Lake on this beautiful Sunday morning. Well, today's sermon is titled, A Passion for Souls, and it's based on Acts 17, verse 22 through 31. Well, people ask me, what do you do? And I'm a flower farmer. And we are specialized in growing flowers from bulbs, like tulips and iris and lilies. But we purchase those bulbs from countries like Holland and France and New Zealand and Chile. But just like oil is traded in dollars from oil around the world, in the case of bulbs, most of the bulbs are traded in euros. Well, euros are a currency that was created in 1999 by the European Union. And it's used throughout Europe, including a country called Greece. Now, the exchange rate between the euro and the dollar reached an all-time high in July of 2008 when it gained all the way up to $160 for every euro. In turn, making the cost for the bulbs that we import very, very high. Now, Greece was a population of less than 11 million people and an economy the size of Kentucky made news in October of 2008. A national debt crisis in Greece rattled financial markets, shook the foundation of the European Union, and the euro went tumbling down. Now, looking back in time, Greece has had a significant influence on the history of the world. It is the place where the Olympics originated in 776 before Christ. Philosophy as we know it today has its roots in Greece. And at one point during the reign of Alexander the Great in 330 before Christ, the Greek Empire stretched from Macedonia to the north, Egypt to the south, and bordering India to the east. Now by the year 60 AD, the Roman Empire was in control of the Greek territory. But Athens was still the center of the Stoic philosophers. The Areopagus was the council of elders of the city. And they met at what was referred to as Mars Hill, near the Acropolis. And this is what brings us today to today's scripture reading in Acts 17, 22 through 31, as we go on a journey to Athens, Greece. <coughs> and this scripture reading can be found on page 137 of your pew Bible. That's in the second half of your Bible. And I'll give you a moment to, to pull it up. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. 
For I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship. And I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is it served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live. So they would search for God and reach, and perhaps reach for him and find him. Though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And even some of our own poets have said, For we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imaginations of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Friends, the New Testament covers about 138,000 words. But nearly a quarter, 33,000 words in all, are from the 13 letters of Paul. His letters are among the most searched texts in the entire Bible. The, the website BibleStudyTools.com lists 25 of the most popular Bible verses that are searched on their website. And nine of those searches are from the letters of Paul. Now Paul's sermons, on the other end, are much less recognized. The book of Acts recorded seven of them, one in a synagogue in Syria. Two are autobiographies, personal autobiographies, before a, a crowd in Jerusalem and before a king, King Agrippa. Two are brief dialogues with some individuals, and two of them are open-air sermons to Gentiles. One in Lystra, which is nowadays Turkey, and the one in Athens that we just read about. Now the question is, what brought Paul to Athens? His passion for souls started after his conversion on the road to Damascus, after he lost his sight for three days. Paul was a Pharisee a member of the ruling class. And in Philippians 3, he describes his Jewish heritage. 
from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. But his conversion was like a switch that was turned on. In Acts 9, 17, we read, Ananias laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now from that point forward, Paul became one of the most fervent evangelists with a passion for souls. He set out on four missionary journeys to anyone who was willing to listen. The first journey took him to Syria, through Syria into Turkey. And his second journey led him to Greece, to cities like Thessalonica and Philippi and Corinth. Now, Paul considered Greece a fertile ground to reach hungry souls, spreading the good news of the gospel. First and foremost, to Jews, to the Jews living in in those countries, but also to the Gentiles. The Bible tells us in Acts that the Jewish leaders became jealous and chased him out of Thessalonica. And then he moved to the town of Berea and they chased him out of that town. But a group of believers rescued Paul and took him away as far away as Athens. Now, in the weeks leading up to Mother's Day, we shipped countless of truckloads of flowers from the farm to delight and amaze mothers across America. Well, the team at our company did a superb job to make that happen. And the days were long. Typically from 5 in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. And a few weeks ago, driving to the farm, shortly after 4.30 in the morning, I listened to a program called Today in the Word. And the speaker was Luis Palau. And he talked about Dwight Moody, the great evangelist of the late 1800s. His name is memorialized in places like Moody Radio and the Moody Church and the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Dwight Moody had a passion for souls. Police Palau shared a story that every time Moody finished a sermon, a few old ladies would walk up to him and say, Mr. Moody, you preached a good sermon, but we are praying that you get the power. Each Sunday, they would come up to him again. Good sermon. But we are praying that you get the power. Now, Moody was getting slightly annoyed by these repeated comments of those two ladies. But then in the fall of 1871, Moody was in New York City ready to take the boat to go to England. And in the midst of the hustle and bustle of Manhattan, their prayers were answered. 
the power of God fell upon Moody, and he walked upon the street and hurried off to a house of a friend and asked if he may use a room all by himself. And he stayed alone in that room for hours. And the Holy Spirit came upon him. His soul was overwhelmed with joy. Moody was never the same after that moment. Like a switch was turned on. He started preaching with more authority. More people came to Christ. And he had more love for people. A passion for souls. Well, he went on to England for what was to be the first of many evangelistic campaigns there. People came from all over London to hear him. The evangelist went on to live for another 28 years. And according to Christianity.com, D.L. Moody is believed to have led an estimated million people to Christ. Now, a passion for souls was the credo for Paul. As he walked through that ancient town of Greece, he is shocked at what he sees. But he addresses the crowd by flattering them at first. I see you are very religious. But folks, let me tell you, you are missing the essence of what it is that you believe in. Paul's message leads the audience to the truth of God as the maker of heaven and earth. And he concludes with, now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because in the end, we will all be judged. The real of life will be reviewed. Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead, wants all men to be saved. Paul tells it with such conviction and passion. Why? Because Paul knows the truth. Because he encountered the Christ. Knowing the truth brings forth in Paul a deep-rooted conviction and an urge to share the good news with as many people as are open to receive the message. He is effective because he is filled with the Spirit. The truth of the gospel and the power of the Spirit bring in him an innate desire to help others come to Christ. A desire that became Paul's mission in life. He was a tent maker. But he dedicated his whole being to spreading the message. Nothing seems to face him. He is shipwrecked. Three times beaten with rods. Once stoned. Stoned with stones, not the other type. And left for dead. And he finds himself in prison several times. It is Paul's sense of purpose, his sense in, of meaning in life, that drives him. 
no matter what adversity faces him. Because he knows Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that there is no salvation without Jesus Christ. That knowledge is the core of his passion for souls. Well, let me illustrate this with an example. How knowledge drives passion. We grow an Irish variety called Telstar. I brought some here this morning. This variety is unique because it completely opens up. I stuck one out a little bit higher so you could see it. It's completely open. Now, there are other iris in the marketplace. And they're much easier to grow. But the problem is, they don't open very well. They come about halfway, and then they just shrivel up. Well, those varieties are actually the main reason for the negative perception that iris doesn't last or will not open. Well, we have grown Telstar for 30 years, and I know that it will guaranteed, it will guarantee to open. I will get very passionate talking about this because I have seen the disappointment with the other iris. And I want to tell the story of the great attributes of Telstar and how it provides a better experience for consumers. Paul spoke with passion because he had encountered the Lord at his conversion and he was filled with the Spirit. He had a passion to spread the message of Jesus Christ to hungry souls. And while in prison, he continued reaching out to believers in Philippi and Corinth and Thessalonica and in Rome. And Paul wrote in Romans 1.14 to Greeks and non-Greeks, wise and ignorant, I owe a debt to preach to every person. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the life of all who believe in it. Now Paul had this amazing ability to reach people with sound reasoning and making a profound case for Christ. After he spoke in Athens, some walked away, but others followed him. Greece actually became one of the early strongholds of Christianity, of the early church. And today, 92% of the population in Greece are believers in Christ. The Bible says in Luke 19.10, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. But after his three-year ministry, he told his disciples in Acts 1.8, Now it's up to you. You will be my witness. You will be my ambassadors. You will be the carriers of the message of salvation to a world that desperately needs to hear it. The Holy Spirit will give you help and power. With a passion for souls, every single one counts. Just like the bulbs we plant to grow flowers. Along the way, 
we lose some bulbs before they grow into a flower. Some we lose to a disease called fusarium, and the entire bulb rots away. Other times, bulbs get bruised or damaged and develop a disease called gray mold or, or penicillium. Or during transport in the ocean containers, some bulbs are already starting to make roots. And those roots would dry up or get damaged. And while planting, some bulbs fall on the ground and are lost. Some are planted sideways. And even worse, some are planted upside down. Well, while growing in the cooler, occasionally crowds, sprouts grow a little tall and get damaged when the flowers are moved, when the bulbs are moved into the greenhouse. And while picking, some flowers accidentally are broken by the flower pickers. Throughout the growing process, the flower farmer tries to ensure that no flowers are lost. He tries to save as many as he can. So it is with our Lord and Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3.9, no one should perish. Friends, there is a hunger among people. They are looking without knowing what they are looking for. A hunger of souls. And in Acts 13.47, the Lord commanded, saying, I have set you to be the light for the Gentiles, so that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Well, D.L. Moody once said, How many of you are willing to reject Jesus Christ and sign a letter with these words? To the king of heaven, today one of your followers brought me this message of eternal life. But hereby I reject the offer. I despise the gift and I turn away from you. On Friday night, I went through the neighborhood here in Blue Lake. And I left some bunches of flowers uh, by people's front doors and on porches with a sermon flyer uh, mixed, mixed right in the bunch there. And at 11.20 on Friday night, I received an email saying, I found a large bunch of lilies on my porch Friday night. Obviously, they are meant for someone else who may have lived here before. <laughs> if that's the case, I will leave them outside so you can come and pick them up on Saturday morning. Well, my response on Saturday morning was, these lilies are for you. They are a gift. They are free. Please enjoy them. It's like that with the message of Jesus Christ and the promise of eternal life. It is a gift and it is free. But just like that bunch of lilies, we have a choice. Put them in a vase 
full of water and we will cherish them and we will be filled with joy. But on the other hand, if we do not, they will dry up and wither and die. Ask Jesus to come into your life as your Lord and Savior. Then the fire of God starts burning inside. We begin to love our neighbors. We begin to do good. And the Holy Spirit starts to live inside of us. Friends, let our hearts be filled with joy, with fire, and conviction that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. And the light will shine upon us. Thank you. Amen.